You are listening to the Mission Matters Podcast Network, where we amplify the stories of entrepreneurs, executives, and experts. All right, guys, like I told you earlier, we have a, such a special treat today. We have my dear friend, Patty Asai here. And Patty, thank you so much for coming on the show. I'm so glad you're here. Thank you for having me, Jose. I'm happy to be here. So Patty and I have known each other for a little while, and you may know her because of her very high profile social media. And most so that's the Duchess of Decorum, which we all follow. And I've shared multiple times in all my stuff. Everybody so if, follows. If you haven't followed her, you, you've seen her across my stuff. But also, most recently, you launched a podcast uh, called No Romance Without Finance. Yep. Um, and I think that kind of plays into why I wanted to invite you on the show today. So the show is Hispanic Wealth Matters. We talk about all things around money, and that's pretty much everything, because everything right. touches money. Right. And, um, you know, you were so kind to do something with us at, at, at the chapter of NAREP that I'm in in Los Angeles, and you gave us some great financial advice there. And I thought um, there was something specifically that you said that kind of triggered this idea. Okay. Um, and I'll talk about that later, but I wanted to to bring you on for some advice for people that are basically like myself right now in the in the real estate industry that are uh, we're living in a market that's very difficult. We're living in a market that where deals aren't coming as early or as quickly as we would want them to. Right. And I thought that it would be good to get some basic information, some good information out to people about how should you think about money when you are a person that's in this type of environment. And that said, we always start the show the same way, and that is with the origin story. Tell us a little bit about yourself, Patty. So I was born in Iran. I moved here when I was seven years old. I didn't speak a word of English, and uh, my parents didn't have any money. So I've been working since I was 10 years old, and I, uh, I became a lawyer. I went to law school, and again, really, really struggled because I had ADHD. I had dyslexia. So it was really hard for me through getting through school, but I I managed and um, I was a criminal prosecutor for about five years in Chicago. And then I moved to Los Angeles in 2001 and uh, I just kind of fell into finance and I've been in finance since. That's awesome. Um, I know that in in the world of finance, you work a lot with mergers and acquisitions. And right. this is a, a environment where, um, at least in the financial sector, there's a lot of contracting, right? There's a lot yeah. of um, banks that are gone suddenly right. and quickly. Right. And um, even in, in, I think, in that industry, you have a lot of people that were maybe producing within the umbrella of a bank that are now considering going out independently on their own. Mm-hmm. And so I think as we have this conversation, we should talk about maybe the warning signs of that and or maybe there's the realities of that. Like, what is it that you're going to be facing? So my my first question to you would be when you talk to or if you were talking to uh, commission only uh, entrepreneurs or commission only people, what do you think that they should be thinking about? What are the habits that they should be creating amongst themselves? It is my experience especially real estate, that we go through this feast famine sort of situation where there's a lot of money being made because we're working on high ticketed items, especially in LA, Miami, New York, all these very high metro areas. And you you, you know, you can make hundreds of thousands of dollars and then they stop working. Right. It goes away. I was joking with you earlier. They just, they will go to Tulum and, you know, hang out for a month. (laughs) 
And maybe at a certain point in life, that was a feasible pattern in the sense that you could come back and generate more, more deals. But right. today, I find the market to be so incredibly difficult. And so your thoughts on that? So one thing that we can always rely on is the market going up and then going back down. I mean, that's just a fact. It happens throughout history and it has happened. So you're going to have peaks and valleys in the market. And the best thing that a commission person can do is to plan ahead, right? So you have to understand that regardless of how great you are, even if you're the number one producer for years and years and years, there is going to come a time where there's going to be a lull in business. And because of that, you have to financially plan ahead. You can't blow all your money and really expect to be making the same amount every single year. So you need to really start budgeting. Budgeting is super important and how you budget. And you're like, okay, well, how am I going to budget? Because I make, you know, a different amount every single year. You take the last five years average, whatever that average is, that's what your budget is. I don't care if you're making a million dollars this year or if you're making, you know, $10,000, it doesn't matter. That is your budget. And that will keep you going because you're going to have ups and you're going to have downs. I'm in sales too. The majority of my income comes through commissions, majority. And, you know, I'll tell a personal story is that I have been the number one producer in every single job I've ever had. Okay. And I'm the number one producer at my bank currently, but these past six to seven months have been rough. I lost two very, very large deals at closing. Right. I mean, I had deals that that those are deals that just kill you. Right. And and lost another large deal just because of competition. And it was really heartbreaking to have 15, $20 million worth of deals just go away. So then you're left with, you know, looking at the pipeline report and you go from being number one to the last person on the list. And I think one thing that we should really understand is that's going to happen. So financially, we need to plan for that. And we can talk about it a little bit later on as far as mentally how you go through that. But financially, you have to plan for those valleys, man. I think that the first thing that people are going to be shocked about is that five-year average. Because nobody ever thinks about that, right? Right. Because even as you're saying it, I was thinking, well, how would I answer that? I think I always go to my highest year, right? This is how much I make. <laughs> right. You know what I mean? Like, that's, right. that's what I think when I would, if you were like, well, how much do you make just randomly on the street? I'd be like, I make this much, you know? And right. It's pretty good. But realistically, this year is terrible. It's a tough Horrible. year. And yeah. so, uh, and we're, you know, I heard this guy say in this podcast not too long ago, he said, you know, we used to get overpaid for what we do and now we're highly underpaid for what we do. And that's just <laughs> the nature of what it is. It's, yes. it's, it's just taking so many more hours. And so much right. more effort to do what we do. Um, I have a romance without finance question for you. Okay. And I find myself, so my wife is a uh, senior vice president at a major bank. Okay. She's a salaried person. And for a long time, um, as a commissions person, I mean, that's kind of why we do this. I right. was making a lot more money than she was. She makes good money. And I was okay. making a lot more money. Okay. Well, that balance has shifted. Mm-hmm. And so... Um, I, I was wondering, as I was preparing to talk to you, how does someone in this position, I imagine a lot of people are in my position right now, mm-hmm. you know, whether you are a male or you're a single, you know, household female, or you are the breadwinner as a female, and you right. are driving that household with that commission income that was mm-hmm. so great and good for so many, many years. Right. Um, to me, it's been, it's been, it's taken a lot of effort mentally to kind of go and, and almost in a way, and I don't know if this is the right word, but humbling to say, 
man, like I got to really work harder to, to make my end of the, uh, uh, you know, of the balance, yeah. right. To make my, my commitment to the household work, right. to pay my kids tuitions, to pay my, my, you know, our lifestyle really. Mm-hmm. So uh, what would you say to someone that's going through that? Uh, I would say that you are partners in this relationship, right? I think you come in as partners and it really depends on how you structured your finances going into the marriage. Mm. If you guys have just put all your money in one pot and, you know, you, you take whatever you need and she takes whatever she needs, then that's a whole different story than a couple who has separate accounts and it contributes to the household expenses. So where do you guys fall into that? Yeah, we have separate accounts. Okay. Um, and we each kind of we divided um, the bills and then the major bills, like the mortgages, right. we, we, we go 50-50 yeah. on. Um, and I think that, you know, we've had a lot of conversations about adjustments of lifestyle in our, in our right. household. You know? And I think, I think you adjust your lifestyle, but I think one way to make it fair, especially when there's a discrepancy in income, when you guys are kind of making the same, it's okay. Everyone just puts in 50-50, right? But when there's discrepancy in income, whether it's on your end or on her end, I think what's fair is to have each person contribute the same percentage of their income. Oh, that's huge. To the household, right? Because yeah. although the numbers may be different, you're still, it's the same percentage. So that makes things a little bit more fair. I think that's huge. I think that I never thought of it that way. That makes a lot of sense because it, it is an equal, equal, right? If, so, if you're right. used to carrying the big bulk of it because you were making so much more right. and now you're not, um, right. I think that, that that's a great conversation to be have you know, to have with your partner in that in that sense. And you have um, to have these conversations, Jose. You know, most people are afraid to have these conversations, especially around money, because money conversations makes people feel weird. But it is huge because money is one of the top reasons that relationships end. So unless you're willing to have these tough conversations, you know, you're you're headed down a wrong path. No, I agree 100 percent. I was telling recently on another episode a story of that when you get married with the Catholic faith, you go to this retreat and the retreat isn't really about um, Catholicism. It's really about family and relationship dynamics. Well, one of the exercises that you do is that you go back to back and they ask you financial questions. And so if you agree with it, you you know, you keep your hands down, you disagree, you cross your arms and then you turn around and see the person. And as the questions are progressing, you're looking around the room and you're seeing people's faces change. Yeah. So the questions could be like, it's okay to carry a high credit card balance debt. It'll be paid right. off eventually. You turn around, you're like, what do you mean? Right? I love that. Um, I love that. That is so great to have couples go through that. Yeah. And so what happens is, and I tell people all the time, you guys got to do it, whether you, you know, wherever you land on the fifth, you got to go do that because a lot of couples don't get married after that. Yeah. Because right. it's the first time they've actually had an open conversation about <laughs> yes. um, one of the questions is, for example, the only good education is private school education. Well, depending on your background, and where you came right. from, you're going to see that a completely different way. Right? I'm from the hood. I'm like in public That's school. That's me, all the right? Way. Public school, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm all, um, well, there's a guy, you know, uh, he used to say, um, I have a PhD. Uh, public high school diploma. <laughs> that's, that's all I have. <laughs> you know? awesome. and so and so, but but the people have backgrounds, right? And they come from a different. Yeah. So, and a lot of times, the point being is that a lot of times that's the first time they're having that type of conversation with each other. Right. So, I agree with you, um, hundred percent. Let's talk a little bit about about mindset. Um, I read this morning and I posted it. I wish I shared a quote this morning, and it was a guy. And this is maybe specifically to real estate, but he said, um. 
this is the type of market where you're going to separate the people that tried and the people that can. Mm-hmm. And I think that I feel that way every day, you yeah. know, and I get up at five in the morning and I, I, I yeah. give it all, you know, and, right. I, and I do everything I know I need to do to, to keep this business going. And we're blessed to be doing better than most, but it's still a very uphill sure. battle. Um, mindset wise, how do you get your mindset right? Or how do you coach people to get their mindset in a place yeah. where you don't get left behind in the, in the, I tried, but I didn't. Right. Well, I think for, first of all, there's no such thing as try as Yoda would say, you either do or don't. Right. So there's no trying. And, you know, one thing I used to always get so annoyed when, uh, you know, so, someone on my sales team would come in and they weren't meeting goal and, and, and they would say, well, I did my best. Well, I'm sorry, but your best isn't good enough. <laughs> you have <certain> goals. <laughs> Be better. <laughs> yeah. I mean, you know, you, I, I did my best is a horrible thing to say, right? Because your best may not be good enough or, or may not be enough for the current environment. It may have been enough for the prior the previous environment where, you know, rates were at 3%, right? And everyone was just dying to buy a business or buy real estate or whatever. And that that is the result of your success in those in those times are just the result of the environment. They have they don't have a lot to do with you because everyone is successful. Everyone, you know, has a lot of deals going on. It's times like these where it's tight and then you see who the real people are, right? And who the real players are it really separates, you know, the girls from the women. That's what mm-hmm. I say or the boys from the men, right? Sure. So, and I think one important mindset is that you don't get discouraged during these times. I've always said you don't get too high and you don't get too low. And Robert De Niro was actually saying that years ago. And I, I saw him talking about that because there are going to be times where you're going to be number one. And there are going to be times where you're, you know, where you're not going to be number one. Okay. But what you have to do is remain consistent. Mm-hmm. Consistency is the key to anything that you do. And the key to success really for me, again, I'll give give an example for myself is that, you know, I lost all these deals and I was last in line, last in the pipeline. My pipeline was smaller than anybody else's. And a normal person, I would say most people would just panic, right? Oh my God, I'm last. And I hate being last. I'm a competitor. I want to be number one or that's it. You know, second, you know, second place is the first loser. That's the way I see it. But I know enough about myself and I've been in the game long enough to know that there's going to be peaks and valleys. And if you remain consistent, you're going to go back up. And during these times when it's so hard to remain consistent because you're feeling down, right? You're feeling down that you lost the deal. You're feeling down that you're last uh, in the pipeline. You're feeling down, but your mindset always has to be a winner's mindset. And I always say that don't have a scarcity mindset. You need to have an abundance mindset. So abundance mindset is, there's going to be deals and scarcity mindset is, oh my God, this is the end all be all. So I had the abundance mindset and lo and behold, guess what? My pipeline just blew up. My (laughs) pipeline is like, it, you know, it's back to where it used to be all of a sudden in the past couple of weeks, I've gotten more deals that I know what to do with. And that is a really great, yeah, great problem to have, but it's because I remained consistent. I didn't panic. I didn't get depressed. I was, I kept marketing. I kept doing exactly what I was doing. And eventually you'll get back. I love that. And I think that that's a hundred percent true. Um, a long time ago, a really good friend of mine, Christine, told me this mantra and it was, it said, uh, money comes easily and money comes easily and frequently. I will live in abundance. Yes. And then she was just like, just repeat that over and over again. And I know that in my life, 
when I when I do that and I try to do that as often as I can, um, you your vantage points changes. You start looking at, at yes. opportunity as opposed to at calamity. And yes. so I, I agree with you a, a thousand percent on that. So to to uh, reveal the inspiration, you were sitting on a panel and somebody uh, you said a comment about your outfit. Do you remember what that was? <laughs> I was like, yeah, I have Zara. <laughs> my, my outfit is Zara. My shoes are level tans. <laughs> so you got to mix it up. <laughs> yeah. And so I thought to myself, I mean, if someone's so polished and elegant as you can come out and just say that, it kind of shows the way you create your balance in, in how you live your, your life. Right. And you have to. And I'll be honest with you, Jose. I don't have to wear Zara if I don't want to. Okay. Sure. I don't have, right. I don't have to, I can be, you know, I, I, I can be Dolce & Gabbana head to toe if I really wanted to, but that's just not smart. Right. That's not smart because you have to account for the times where you're going to be in the valleys, right? Yeah. I'm in the peaks. I've made a lot of money and you got, and it's because I've accounted for the times I'm in the valleys that is when times like this occur and I'm not making as much as I did last year. I'm not panicking. I'm cool. And you have, you have to do that. And, and that's why it's important not to blow your money. You have to keep your money. You have to invest it. I work way too hard for my money to spend it on frivolous things and to spend it on things that I don't have to spend. So mm-hmm. on, on, a you know, clothes that I, I will spend a lot of money on classic items that I will have for a very, very long time, a black suit, right? A black dress, something like that. But trendier items, like what you saw me wear at, um, at the event, it was like a bright pink suit. That's not going to be in, in a few years. Right. So you, before I buy anything that's expensive, I always ask myself, is this trendy or is it classic? Is it going to be in, in a couple of years? And if not, it's Zara all the way, baby. Oh, well, that, that is great <laughs> advice. That is yeah. awesome. That's an awesome way of auditing your life. Um, yes. I think that, uh, well, I hear this a lot. Um, I work for, hard for this money. I deserve to spend it. And I'm always like, uh, no. <laughs> yeah, no. <laughs> you know? Wrong mindset. Yeah. But I like that idea of kind of auditing what, um, how you're spending your money and how you're budgeting your money. It's, it, feels, it feels like what you're telling me is almost at every purchase. You don't have to yes. think about that suit. You could have just bought that suit right. blindly. But the right. fact that it becomes a, a rhythm to just do that. I think that's a great way to overall in the macro balance it out if you're just right. on, always doing that kind of activity. Well, that, that's why money is all about mindset. That's why these trends, I don't know if you've seen trends on TikTok that are cash stuffing, for example, that you have envelopes for different things and you, you put cash in those envelopes and that's how you pay those things off. All those trendy things don't work because money issues is a mental issue. It's mm-hmm. not necessarily, you know, these little trendy things. You have to change your mindset. And until you change your mindset, you're always going to struggle and be broke. Yeah, no, I agree. Tell us about uh, No Romance Without Finance. What was the inspiration of that? The inspiration for my podcast was that, you know, my mother and a lot of other women I know are stuck in relationships that they don't want to be in because they can't financially support themselves. Mm -hmm. And I feel that that's a very dangerous position for anybody to be in man Mm -hmm. or woman, but it typically affects women. Right. So that's why I did the podcast, because I think I want to empower women to be financially independent. So not one another woman 
feels like my mother did or is in the same situation that my mother was because, you know, it, it costs her a lot. And I just don't, I want to honor her by teaching women to be financially independent. No, I love that. Uh, and when you go and you have these conversations, where do you see the, the biggest block sort of start with the women that aren't necessarily immediately financially independent? Well, I think the block starts because they've drank the Kool-Aid that it's a man's job to provide and protect yeah. and a woman's job to nurture and stay at home. So they've drank that Kool-Aid and they think that, okay, I'm going to stay at home. This is my job. And that's the man's job to go out and make money. And they don't know anything about their finances. They don't know what assets they have, what assets they don't have. They don't know how much money they have in the bank or how much they don't. And, you know, they just relegate themselves to being a housewife and taking care of the kids. And that's it. And again, that's very dangerous because God forbid, if nothing else happens, God forbid something happens to your husband and you have no idea how to write a check. You don't know how to pay your bills. I mean, my friend's, um, my friend's mom lost a $10 million building after her dad passed because she didn't know how to manage it. She wow. didn't even know they had it. Wow. So that's that, that's really the inspiration behind it and the, and the blockage that I see. Well, and I think that you're doing a great job of advancing that at a faster pace. Um, I do think that there is starting to be a change in that. I mean, I haven't done ever before the last two years so many deals where the woman was the head of the household mm -hmm. and they were they were actually you know the 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 greater earner in the in the home. Right. So I, I hope and I think you know I'm a big big proponent of of women power. I was raised by women. I have two daughters, <laughs> and so. I, I hope that that's starting to change, and I think that it is, but shows like yours and um, social media like yours helps advance that, I think, at a quicker rate. Because even in though in cities like the major cities, that might be a bigger conversation. In middle right. America, I don't think it is as much still. Yeah, and you know, ju just a study just came out, actually. It just came out, and I've been talking about this for years, but a study was just released that showed that if you studied indigenous people, OK, indigenous tribes, even today, what was it? Seventy nine percent of those tribes, women hunted in those tribes and hunted big game, not oh, just wow. like rabbits and squirrels. They hunted big game. And the best hunters in the tribes were typically the grandmothers. Right. So we have been using this thing that men are supposed to provide and protect because they went out and they hunted big game and they brought it back to their families. And, right. you know, that's, that's the, that's the reason men should be the head of the household. And that's, that's why they're aggressive and all these things, right? Because they were hunters, but the women are supposed to be more nurturing and quiet because they stayed at home. And we just found out that that's complete BS. <laughs> None of that is true. I love that. <laughs> None of that is true. Yeah, no, I, I love it. I think that's great. So tell the people how they can get a hold of you, how they should follow you, all your, yeah, so all you your can, things. <laughs> yeah, so you can find me on, on my TikTok channel, which is uh, Duchess of Decorum, Instagram, Duchess of Decorum. My podcast is called No Romance Without Finance. And if you're in the LA metro area, every other month, I have a female empowerment event called The Flex in Beverly Hills, where we teach women how to invest, where we teach women holistic ideas and how to just level up their lives. And how do they get um, invited to the flex or how do they sign up? If you, you know, my part and my uh, website is pattyasai.com. If you just go to my website, you will find all the information on everything that I'm doing. And uh, you know where the flex is. 
Awesome. Awesome. Well, Patty, thank you so much. I always love hanging out with you. Thanks, Jose. I love talking to you. And guys, that's it for this one. We'll catch you on the next one. This has been a Mission Matters Network production. Listen to this show and browse our entire catalog by visiting missionmatters.com.